Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about The Jenny Jones Show. And I'll be covering my most horrifying case to date. Oh, no. Well, what? Does, like, two loving families murder each other at the same time? Like, I can't imagine. This is a, it's a real doozy. Okay. I'm So I messaged you about it because I was, it's short. Okay. Which... I typically don't do like we like to do nice long ones. Um, there's very little available sure about do. the actual trial. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> there's very little available about the actual trial in this case, but I uh, I've been wanting to do this case for a while, and I just felt like I absolutely had to cover it. So today's the day. Okay, do it. Brian and Susan Trost, T R O S T, mm-hmm. Trost, Trost. What do you think? Trost. I've been I've been saying it trost in my head this whole time. Should I say trost? Say whatever you want to say. Brian and Susan Trost, according to Kristen, were thrilled. It was October of 2007, and they had just purchased their dream home in Weldon Spring, Missouri. Weldon hmm. Spring is a suburb of St. Louis, and the Trost's dream home was located in the upscale Whitmore Country Club. So the Whitmore boasts a host of amenities, including a gym, swimming pools, complete with a kid's swim team, and, of course, a beautiful golf course. So I looked at this country club's website today because I wanted to see if I could find their, like, membership fees on there. Right. Of course, they're not posted anywhere. But I did see pictures of the golf course, and they are beautiful. And then I also found this little tidbit, which I felt like I needed to put in here. So there was a section that I had to click on that said dress code. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So here's their official dress code as listed on their website. And hold on, this dress code is for It's for golfing members. So or? golfing. So there's actually like different um so there's like what's acceptable on the golf course and then what's acceptable in the clubhouse. Okay, okay. Okay. Members will choose to dress in a fashion befitting the surroundings and atmosphere provided in the setting of the club. It is also expected that members will advise their guests of the dress code requirements. Gentlemen and ladies are requested to dress in a fashion appropriate for the occasion. The dress dress standards of the club may be changed or waived by the club periodically for special activities and functions. So this this next section is specifically clubhouse dress code. Okay. Individuals using the facilities are required to dress properly. Proper dress will be determined by use of the facility and included in the announcement of events. No swimming attire is allowed in any food or lounge area. Swimsuit cover-ups are required in the concession stand for service. Informal attire is acceptable in the trophy room, the sand trap, which I believe is like a bar, Uh not Um, an actual sand trap, the bunker, which is another bar and on the deck um, and in the lounge. Sorry. 
No hats allowed indoors, please. Denim of any color is prohibited anywhere in the clubhouse or on the golf course, with the exception of the lounge and the sand trap. Acceptable for men, shirts with collars and sleeves, slacks, jogging outfits made of nylon or silk. Wait, you can wear a jogging suit? But you can't wear jeans? Yeah. Okay. Only your finest silk jogging suit, Christian. Um, golf shorts or walking shorts are considered appropriate attire for women, dresses, skirts, slacks, jogging outfits of nylon or silk, golf shorts, mid length shorts and blouses and collarless shirts with sleeves and sleeveless shirts with collars what? are considered appropriate attire. So if it has sleeves, it doesn't need a collar. If it's got no sleeves, must have a collar. <laughs> OK, <laughs> sounds like a really fun place. Not at all uptight. Um, unacceptable for men, no tank tops, t-shirts, fishnet tops, <laughs> cutoffs, sweatpants, bathing suits, tennis or other athletic shorts above mid-length are Ooh, not permitted. Okay. No caps or visors in the clubhouse. For women, halter tops, fishnet tops. I mean, I don't... Yeah, how, how many, many people, people are, are wearing no. fishnet tops? Not that many. Um, bathing suits, sweatpants, tennis dresses, athletic shorts, and cutoffs are not permitted. Don't you dare come in here in your cutoffs and your fishnet shirt. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to pair up. <laughs> anyway, Brian and Susan's home was located at... <gasps> oh, hold the phone. Okay, go ahead. 84 Gillette Field Close. Ooh, that popped up real fast. So if you look at it on Zillow, you can actually see pictures of the inside and okay. everything. I'm doing it. Hmm. Hmm. So. Um, it's not as. Not as fancy as you would as think. Not as fancy as not I was expecting. So the home boasted views of the fourth and fifth holes of the golf course. Mm -hmm. It was built in 1988. And the home was a 2,400 square foot atrium ranch with an open floor plan, four bedrooms and three bathrooms. So, yeah, if you look at the pictures of it, it's, I mean, it's a nice house, oh, but it's yeah, not, yeah. It, the finishings aren't particularly updated. No, not really at all. I think it needs a lot of updates. But I like, so they call it an atrium ranch because it has that, like, overlook with the windows and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of cool. But, so, the Trost paid $450,000 for this house in 2007, and they were thrilled with their purchase. This was their dream home. It was in an idyllic setting. It was exactly what they'd always wanted. But problems in the home began almost immediately. Were they newlyweds? Oh, uh, no. They have a four-year-old son. So okay. I don't know exactly how old they were, but um, didn't mention anything about them being newlyweds or anything okay. like that. One day when Susan came out like of her bedroom and was walking through the living room. So the layout of the house, the, the living room looks right into that area that they call the atrium. Mm -hmm. So she noticed like a hanging like cobweb in that area. And this was October. They'd lived there only a short time and they'd done like a deep clean when they moved in. And she's like, what, did I miss that when I... Right. When I cleaned, and so she cleaned it. Um, and then over the next couple of days, she kept finding these these webs in different parts of the ceiling, specifically kind of con concentrated in that atrium area. But then she also started finding them on light fixtures. And she's like, 
is dust settling and that's what's causing this. You know, she just wasn't this sure. This is why it's the most horrifying case to you. 100%. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it didn't stop there. This wasn't a case of just dust settling and webs everywhere. Are you going to tell people? I will. Okay. I will get there. Okay. Don't you worry. I will okay. get there. She clean. you know, she was meticulous about cleaning. She cleaned up all the webs, but she could never, she couldn't stop them. Mm-hmm. It was like every day there was a new web. And then it escalated. One day she was standing in the kitchen and there was a spot of um, wallpaper that had, had kind of loosened from the wall. There was like a flap and she saw something moving under it. So she peeled the wallpaper back. It was a mama spider. It was a spider. Mm-hmm. There was a spider beneath the wallpaper. I'm not as scared as you are. And then it escalated again. <laughs> Well, it wasn't personal. One day, Susan was in the shower. And she caught something out of the corner of her eye. Was it a man with a knife? No. No, it was just a fucking spider. It was worse than that. (laughs) It was worse. It was worse than that. It was a large spider, and it dropped from the ceiling into the shower. And she managed to jump out of the way just in time. (laughs) And it washed down the drain. I feel What it must be like... To have a brush with death like that. I feel like now is an appropriate time for me to insert my personal story. How you lose your mind. Okay. So I have a legitimate, full-blown case of arachnophobia. Oh, yeah. Like, no joke about it. I panic when I see spiders. Like, I am serious. I have a serious fear of spiders. But there is a honest to God origin for my fear. Mm-hmm. So when I was a little kid, I was afraid of spiders because my mom was. And there was like a time when I was, I must have been, I had to have been six because I think my mom and Steve had just gotten married and they got married like right before I turned six. And so I imagine I was about six. We lived in this duplex where like on the main floor, there were two bedrooms and that's where me and my sister's bedrooms were. Mm-hmm. And then you went like down into the basement and that's where the master bedroom was. And so I remember I went down into the master bedroom to tell my mom good night. And so I told her good night. And then I was walking up the stairs to go to my bedroom and I tripped on the stairs and my mom screamed for me to get off the stairs like screamed horrified whatever and my stepdad came running there was a giant spider on the stairs and I had fallen like right next to it yeah and so that started like a little bit of a fear of spiders I mean just to see my mom react in that manner if you're thinking that's stupid and I shouldn't be afraid of spiders you're right that's not enough To start a full-blown case of arachnophobia. We're going to need something more. Here you go. Let me set the scene for you. (laughs) Picture it. Picture it. uh, What year was it? 2000? I'm not positive. I believe I was 13. Um, I believe it was probably 2000. I think April of 2000. I could have been 14. Might have been a little further into 2000. Anyway. We had just moved into the house that, like, we I lived in when we went to high school and everything. Mm-hmm. The, the house that was right by the high school. Um, it was this r- big, beautiful, beautiful house. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but we had not lived there long and we were having a little bit of a spider issue. So it's kind of common when you go from like somebody who's lived in a house for a really long time and they move their stuff out and then you move your stuff in. It kind of like, you know, upsets Fills to the brim with spiders. No, not exactly. But it upsets stuff and, you know, whatever. And this particular house had shake shingling on the outside of it. So it made it look like this. It was a, I really loved it. Like, yeah, it was a very house. cool cottagey looking. Um, but then the, the previous owners had had a large wood pile um, stacked up next to the house as well. So the combination of those shingles on the outside and then that wood pile had made this house like a spider magnet. And my parents had put in, so this was my my dad and Lisa's house. Mm-hmm. My parents had put in, they'd gotten rid of that wood pile. They'd put in a gas log in the fireplace and all of that. And um, And so I remember... That my dad kept doing like attic bombs and stuff like that because they just couldn't get rid of like the spiders. And they were, it's not just any spider that's attracted to wood piles like that. Mm -hmm. In the Midwest, um, it's brown recluse spiders. Yeah. Those are Which are scary and disgusting. And we'll talk more about them later. But so we were having like a bit of a spider problem. And I, I I already, as I mentioned, didn't like spiders at the time, but it wasn't anything crazy. Our house wasn't infested or anything like that. You just saw them way more than you wanted to. So my bathroom that I showered in had like this little crank window that you had to open when you were going to take a shower to let the steam out. And so one day I had gone in, I was getting ready to take a shower and I started my, um, I was about to start my water, but I went to open the window before I started the water and I couldn't get the window to crank it was like jammed and so I like put like one foot in the bathtub to get better leverage and I went to grab the window lever (laughs) and then what happened Brandy and then I saw something above me and I looked up and there were hundreds and hundreds (laughs) of baby spiders coming down upon me there had been a fucking hatching in my bathroom. <laughs> I screamed like I was being murdered. Yeah. And I ran out of my bathroom. My dad came running up and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, there's fucking spiders everywhere. I don't think I said fucking because I was 13, but yeah. I was losing my mind. Yes. And I just remember my dad going in there and being like, holy shit. And he just like closed the door. <laughs> so... The, like, mother had laid her egg sac, like, in the window, Mm -hmm. and then it had hatched in there, and I was the one to discover it. And that is my origin story of how I became full-on terrified of spiders. Brandy, I have to tell you something. What? Your origin story is bullshit. No, it's not! Okay. No, that happened to you. Yes! I was like, that's not bullshit! That 100% happened! But... You were freaked out about... Let oh, me, yeah, let me, I've always hated spiders, yes. Let me tell you my memory. Okay. Okay. We were... This had to have been middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, we were camping. Could have been around the same time I was in middle school when the hatching happened. I really think Just this saying. was before. I really think it was before. Are you talking about the shower spider? Of course I am. Yeah, I remember this. I don't remember if it was before or after. <laughs> I think it was before, (laughs) but I remember we were in separate shower stalls. Yeah, at a campground. At a campground, and I, I legit thought you were being attacked. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which one could be scarier? 
I yeah. mean, like, but no, uh, a spider was in yes, the stall. There was a you. spider in my stall. Listen, <laughs> don't call my origin story bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's not bullshit. This happened to me and it was horrible. And I am one who my family would say sometimes exaggerates things. <laughs> like I have this memory of nearly drowning when I got knocked over by a wave when I was really little. The first time I went to the ocean, my family says that did not happen, but it's my fucking memory. This story uh-huh. 100% happened exactly like I told it. I completely believe that it happened exactly how you told it. I just think... This notion that, like, I was always just a normal amount afraid, but then I became very... No, you were always, like, you were always so afraid. So, I have... Yes, I've always been afraid of spiders, but this, like, ratcheted it to the next level. And now, full-on arachnophobia. I have gotten better as I've gotten older. I can kill a spider if it's on the floor and below a certain size. If it's on the ceiling... I am powerless because you just I am light the place on fire. I am and terrified leave? it's going to fall on me. Yeah. I cannot handle it. Yeah. So, yeah. So to this day, when I take a shower, <laughs> I shake out my shower curtain and I look at all four corners of my <laughs> of my shower to make sure there's nothing in there with me. You know what? I, oh, this is not nice to say. What? I'm just picturing like so. I have a thing where. When I'm washing my face, I don't, you know, I don't like put my face down in the, mm-hmm. so in the water for too long mm-hmm. because I'm ready for the moment where like I look in the mirror, I look down, get my face put, my head comes back up and there's a man standing behind me. So I'm, you know. Okay. So I have said this before. People think that like when they shower and they like get the soap, you have to close your eyes. And so they're fr- like in that moment, all they're thinking of is that there's going to be a murderer yeah. there. To me, it's the same exact thing. Only when I open my eyes, it's going to be a spider there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> Like when you're looking up at the ceiling, yeah. the guy's right behind you. <laughs> I totally missed the murderer because I'm focused on the spider. <laughs> My dad had to go in there and like spray the whole bathroom and then like kill thousands of spider, like baby spiders by hand. Ew, why did you put your thumb out like that? Because that's how he did it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he gave each one of them a thumbs up until they died. Well, I gave him a thumbs down, Kristen, clearly. <laughs> My dad was my hero that day. He saved me from all yeah. of those spiders. Thank you, TP. That's right, TP. How did we, well. Never about, point out that. Yeah. You know what we've also never pointed out? What? That David is DP2. <gasps> oh. Brandy, you're dating a DP. He's actually technically a DP junior, so. <laughs> okay, well, I don't even know what to say to that. Anyway, back to the story. Mm-hmm. So she survives that brush with death. Yeah. That spider falls from the ceiling while she's in the shower. Yeah. Just, you know, minding her own fucking business. <laughs> she manages to get it to wash down the drain. She survives. But she's like, something is going on here. These are all, this is a lot of spiders. And then it escalated further. <laughs> a short time later, Susan was in the living room. And she heard her four-year-old son in the basement, and he was screaming. He was just saying, spider, 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 over and over again. And so she rushed downstairs, and there was her four-year-old baby boy with a spider right next to his foot. Mm -hmm. It was very large. She managed to capture it this time. Ew. Why not just kill it? Because she wanted to know what she was dealing with. Okay. Okay. And so they captured it, 
And she turned to the internet first and then confirmed with a like a licensed pest <laughs> control person oh, okay. that this spider was in fact a brown recluse. Okay. Yeah. That is scary. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what a brown recluse spider is. Freak me out. Yeah. So in the Midwest, we only have like three spiders that are poisonous. One of them is the black widow. One of them is the, I can't remember the other one. And the, the third is the brown recluse. What's the other one? I have no idea. You're the one with the spider phobia. Oh, so it might not be specifically um, in the Midwest. So there's also a Chilean recluse, which is found in North America, but I've never heard of it. So maybe we don't have those in the Midwest. So maybe okay. we only have the brown recluse and the black widow. I've never seen a black widow. Thank God. I'll just die right then. But I've seen a bunch of brown recluses. So the brown recluse spider is a spider with necrotic venom. So that means when it bites and it breaks the skin and is able to inject its venom, it actually causes that tissue to die. Mm -hmm. They can require serious medical attention if you get bit. Because the thing is, is that typically the bite itself doesn't hurt. And you don't know for a couple days that you've been bitten. And by that point, damage has started below the skin's surface. Mm -hmm. And by the time you know it and it reaches the outside, there's all of this necrosis that has taken place below your skin. It's disgusting. The look on your face right now is like the time a couple weeks ago when you described the time you had too much fireball. Yeah. Like it... It looks like you're going to throw up just telling this story. I had to look. I had to read so much about spiders. That's, why I'm, so, that's why I'm so surprised you did this. It's like that's just torturing yourself. This is really terrible. <laughs> I posted something in the Discord the other day about how I wanted somebody to feel sorry for me for my own poor decisions. That's what I'm doing in this moment. I did this to myself, and I'm like, feel sorry for me. You guys, I didn't choose this episode. Oh wait, I did. I did. <laughs> So brown recluse spiders are typically between like a quarter of an inch and three quarters of an inch in size. Mm -hmm. And they're um, they're identifiable by a marking on their body. They've got this like uh, caution tape. It's a violin shaped marking on their like um, abdomen. Only it's on their back, not their What do you call that? Back. But it's not, it's not like thorax. Is that what you call it in a bug? Oh, I have no idea. I don't fucking know. Anyway, so because of that marking, like they're more easily identifiable. You can tell that it is a brown recluse. Right. Um, And because of that marking, they are often called a fiddleback spider, a brown fiddler, or a violin spider. Um, We sound way too nice. I know. Around here, we call them brown recluses. Yeah. So they are known to live like in kind of like dark, damp areas. They like cool areas. So they stay in basements. They stay in attics. They stay around wood. They're drawn to wood. Here is, to me, some of the scariest things about brown recluse spiders. (laughs) They can go like 10 months without a food source. Oh, no. And still be just fine. That's scary. And they live for two years. They have a two-year lifespan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy. And they inbreed, so they... So they've got no they class. They multiply very quickly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's so terrible. Why did you do this to yourself? You look like you're going to cry. Oh, my God. It's so bad. So, Susan... 
worst fears are confirmed. This right. is a brown recluse spider that was within inches of her son. And so she does what anyone does. She calls a, a pest control company. Yeah. And they come out and they spray the house and they set traps. And for a little bit, it worked. They caught several of them on the traps, saw fewer of them like scurrying across the floor, whatever. And then all of a sudden they kept seeing them again. And so they called another pest company out. And this pest company said, oh, yeah, spraying that stuff won't work um, because they roost in your walls. <gasps> and so, oh, no. Yeah. And so this pest control company cut holes in several sections of the drywall, pulled oh, out insulation and put a pesticide powder inside the walls. They did the same thing in the attic. Um, and again, it worked for a little while until it didn't. All of a sudden... Spider activities back, lots and lots of spiders. Finally, it got to the point that they were seeing so many spiders that Susan described it as if the house was bleeding spiders. Oh god. They were falling out of out of ceiling vents. They were oh. it was just they were yuck. It was like you would have to duck when you were entering a room. Ultimately, they were they fled the house. Yeah, sure. Because of it. And they filed a lawsuit against the previous owners of the home for failing to disclose that this house had a spider problem. Yeah, that it was already occupied yeah, by spiders. By spiders, yes. So. This is fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. I know. I think it is fascinating, but it's horrifying as well. No, no. I mean more in the general sense of like, because I don't know the rules on what you have to disclose. Disclose. Yeah, I was about to ask that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, these people had to be aware that there was an infestation yes, in this house of course. because they saw signs of it. The Trost saw signs of it immediately upon moving into the house. Of course, yeah. So this previous these this previous tenants knew that it was going on. I'm trying to remember. Tina and David Galt are the previous owners. So in 2008, the Trost filed a claim with their insurance, with their own insurance, State Farm, and then they also filed a civil lawsuit against the Galt family for not disclosing the brown recluse infestation. So initially, State Farm declined their claim because they said spiders do not qualify as physical damage. Uh, It depends on the number of spiders. Right? Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Ugh. We'll get there. Okay, okay. And this claim, this um, this lawsuit against the previous owners, in 2011, it ended up going all the way to jury trial. Wow. Yeah. And at the trial, this, like I said, there's not that much available about the trial itself. By the way, when you say all the way to, I was like... The Supreme, the Supreme Court. Court? No, no, no. All the yeah. way to jury trial, which I think is unusual for a civil case. Well, sure, yeah. You, something like this, specifically, you would think that it would just settle or, you know, right. whatever. So this is what I think is interesting. At the trial, the Galts were, rep- their representation was paid for by their insurance company, which was huh. also State Farm, what? which is the same company that mm. the Tros filed their claim against. yeah. I think that's very interesting yes. and seems like a big conflict of interest. Well, sure. How can you have a stake in both sides? But I don't know. So the the biggest um, impact from testimony that was given at um, trial came from this guy, Jamel Sandage. 
and he is very interesting. So I read this whole article about him in the pitch, uh-huh. and it is so interesting to me. So this article in the pitch is called Spider Man. Uh huh. So this, um, Jam- I'm guessing it's Jamel J A M E L Sandage. He, at the time that he testified, was a professor at KU, the University of Kansas in Lawrence, with a PhD in, I think it's like ecology and then something else. But he did his doctorate specifically in studying brown recluse spiders. So he's like the country's foremost expert on brown recluse spiders. Uh So this is something that's really interesting about brown recluse spiders. Like this... They um, exist in a very large portion of the United States, but we here, like in the, I would say, like, not necessarily Kansas City, but like the Kansas, Missouri area, mm-hmm. are like the bullseye of it. Okay. We have the largest population of oh, them. Oh, God. Yeah. So he did his doctorate in studying brown recluse spiders because there wasn't, there's not a ton known about them. And they're, because of their habits, because they're a hardy spider that can go 10 months without eating, they're very difficult to get rid of. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So I remember this from when we had them at my house growing up. Like, really the only way that they knew to kill them at that time was to cut off their food source. But even still, it's a super slow process. Yeah. So you can't have any other bug. And they they will eat their own. Oh, God. Yeah. Typically, they won't do like, they won't cannibalize, but they'll eat the carcasses of dead ones. Mm -hmm. They'll just eat anything. Oh, I can't handle this. (laughs) Like, I literally gagged when I said that. Do you see why this is the most horrifying case I've ever covered? I can't believe you even did this one. Oh, gosh. You need a bucket right next to you right now. I mean, you are like (laughs) so close to her. Like, I would love to know, like, the number of times I have looked at you so far in this episode and thought, she needs a break right now. I feel like it's every three sentences. So he was called as the expert witness at this trial because he has a Ph.D. specifically in brown recluse spiders, basically. Mm -hmm. So when he was doing, like, his dissertation or whatever you have to do to get a doctorate, um, he put out this, like, notice to people – in the Kansas City area and in Lawrence, who had brown recluse spiders in their home. Uh-huh. And they kind of, like, the impression that a lot of people got off of it was that he was going to come study them and then he'd rid their house of them. Right. Which was not his plan at all. He just wanted to come study them. <laughs> he wanted to learn their habits and whatever. And so this article that I read about him in the pitch is really interesting because he has used all of that information that he learned doing uh-huh. that to start a pest control company. And cool. he does it completely differently than anyone else. He um, he uses all organic material because he says they can't become immune to that. Uh-huh. Like things build up immunities to chemicals and stuff like that. But if you use all organic material, there's no way for them to become immune to it. Uh-huh. And so that's part of what he did in his studies. Like he put together all of these different things and and saw what their effect had and how long they took to kill them. And he studied them on all different phases of life. Like, does it kill babies? Does it kill, you know, adult spiders? spiders? Yeah, Yeah, all of this. And then he came up with this, like, perfect formula that would kill all of them, and it would do it, like, within 10 minutes. 
Wow. Yeah. But it's like completely proprietary. doesn't tell anybody what's in it. Well, hell yeah. that's. And then he holds like training seminars to train other like pest management companies like and they can buy into his system or whatever. He started like a. This is amazing to me because when you first said PhD in, yeah, brown, in brown recluse spiders. Yeah, I'm like, well, what do you do with that? Well, I mean, if you're the only one with the knowledge, exactly. you, you, can, you, can, you can do exactly. a lot with it. So in this article that I read about him in the pitch, like the the um, journalist is like following him on a house call. They're at a house in Lawrence and he's like going room to room and he's like checking the insulation. And right. he talks about how this is his third visit to that house and he's already seen 10 spiders this time. He saw six spiders last time, which is a bad sign because that means that he they've likely reproduced since then. He finds a baby nest and that's a bad sign because it's out of season like it's October at this point and typically the babies are born in July which means that they yeah they're reproducing at a really high rate and then he's like going through a storage room and he's like he picks up a wicker basket and he's like you need to get rid of this because they roost in here yeah like it's so crazy yeah it's so interesting to me though and like this guy is kind of my hero he found a way to kill these terrible spiders yes however he says that they're not as scary as we all think they are because unless you get like a really big, really mature one, they lack the strength to be able to bite through most of your tissue. Okay. Do we have a minute for? Yeah. Okay. This, I've always thought this was pure paranoia. Hang uh-huh. on, let me look at my leg really, yeah. really quick. Having to look really hard over here. Uh huh. Okay. Come over here. Okay. Do you see this spot right here? I do. That discoloration? Yeah. Okay. So, like, God. This would have been like 13, 14 years ago. Okay. I was in college, went home for like some break or something. Mm-hmm. And I never felt anything weird. Mm-hmm. But then I got back to college and a couple days later, there, like on my leg, it was just the weirdest thing. There was like, I remember it looked, it looked kind of like a spider bite. You know uh-huh. how like, it almost looks like there's a pin in yeah. you, like a little dot. Yeah. And then the flesh around it, mm-hmm. like went away. I had yeah. like this indentation. Uh-huh. And I thought, yeah, that's a brown recluse spider. But then, like, nothing happened. Yeah, you know, and it was just like, it was just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a, a relatively small chunk of skin. So I always kind of thought that's brown recluse. But then I thought I was kind of a drama queen because, yeah. But you're so, telling no, me that that so could be possible. According, according to Doctor Sandage, okay. Um, Yeah, a couple of things. Typically, they lack the ability to bite through your skin unless they're very mature or they bite you in your soft tissue. So your armpits, like your groin, something like that. Oh, God. And most people are not super affected by their venom. It has to be a specific, like, there's, you can have a mild reaction to it or you can have extreme reaction to it where you have, you get crazy necrosis and stuff from it. Do mm. you remember when we were in elementary school, there was that janitor. He had this big indentation in his calf. Like it was a big chunk of of tissue that was missing. Right. Um and he said that it was because of a brown recluse bite. 
Wow. Yeah. So some people can have extreme reactions from them and some people aren't as susceptible to it. And so it's kind of the perfect storm. You get a bite from a mature spider and you're super susceptible to the venom. That's where you end up with an extreme reaction. According to Dr. Sandage, it's like people are way more scared of them than they need to be Uh um, because they're not aggressive. They won't seek you out. That's why they're known as recluses, because they yeah. like to stay away from people. Um, but if you, it's um, it's actually, he said something about it being like, if you come in contact with them, like, and you flatten against them, or you roll over them, that's when they're most likely oh. to put out their <laughs> things. What do you call those? Fangs? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they have fangs. <laughs> But no, so probably when you're asleep, you might roll over on one, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) (sighs) I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) But he he made a comment in this article with the pitch about it. He likened it to a car accident. You know, nine times out of ten, you walk away uninjured. It's the horrific one where that everybody hears about. Sure. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, so he comes to the trial and he testifies that he went to the house and he looked it over Mm -hmm. and he looked it over in the winter, which is when spider activity is at its lowest. So specifically brown recluse spiders are dormant Uh for two to four months out of the year. They don't eat. They don't mate. They don't do anything. They really are not mobile during Mm -hmm. that time. It's almost like a hibernation. Okay. And it's during that time that he went and inspected the Trost home. And he estimated that there were somewhere between (gasps) 4,500 and 6,000 brown recluse spiders living in the home. No. Oh God. Oh my God. No. Yeah. No. If I were on that jury, I would have vomited right then. You would have never made like, it onto the jury. Give them all the money! <laughs> you would have never made it on the jury. Yeah. So something that I think is interesting about this Dr. Sandage, he has done so much research into these. He's he will he knows like when he can pick one up, like he knows how to handle them. He's never been bitten. Ever. You you want to open mouth kiss this man. I want I to just... meet him. He's like, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> he found out how to do the impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I really do like it. I know. I, I'm like, your passion is just I, coming I, off I mean, of you should have seen me when I stumbled upon, like I stumbled upon this pitch article and I was like, tell me more. <laughs> like, I could not get enough. So... He estimates that in the time when they are least active, so that means there could be thousands more. So you're not, see, I thought you were saying like, he saw how many were there in the winter and then said, okay, well then it must be even more. No, he said on, that he would give a conservative estimate based on what he saw at that level. Okay. 4,500 to 6,000. He said that if he went during mating season. Oh, Bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> Just a spider brothel. <laughs> oh. Oh. You can't even. Mm-mm. So by this time, the 
the freaking Trosts have had to, they're living somewhere else. They have had to file bankruptcy. Oh, well, this yeah. house has gone into foreclosure. Well, and they bought in 07. Yeah. So the, the market tanks. housing collapse happens. And yes. No one wants the spider, spider house. house. No. And so, oh my God. Um, another thing that he testified to so State Farm said that their reason for denying their claim was because they won't say, they can't say that. Spy, they won't say that spiders, a spider infestation is physical damage. They won't relate it to physical damage. And then they also um, denied their claim, they testified, that because they're in their policy, it says they are not protected against insects. And so Dr. Sandage testified at trial that spiders are not insects. <laughs> they're arachnids. Uh-huh. And there's nothing about them not being protected against arachnids in their oh, policy. Okay. Yeah. The jurors... What do you think they decided? Whose favor do you think they found in? Do you think they found in? So this was specifically, um, while State Farm was there and testifying, this was not a lawsuit against State Farm. It was against the previous homeowners. They had to have found in favor of the Trosts. I mean. They did. Okay. They found in favor of the Trosts and they awarded them $472,000. So the value of the home and then I think like some... Um, appreciation and value because they've lost so much value like they and then also cost of the the extermination attempts that they did make and for you I mean emotional distress I could never I don't know where I'd live after that (laughs) you wouldn't trust anything I wouldn't if my wall started bleeding spiders oh my gosh I'm gonna have so many nightmares tonight I know you are would this be the one thing that would get you out of Johnson County, Kansas? Like if oh gosh, because you know there are places you could live where oh gosh, where they don't have, yeah. but they have other spiders, right? Huh. Would you just go find this doctor and go live in his house with him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. Um. After that verdict, though, after that ruling and the awarding of the money to the Trosts, the Galts filed for bankruptcy, Mm. and the Trosts didn't get that money. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so they looked at each other, and they (laughs) said, let's go to court. And so they filed a new lawsuit against State Farm. Okay. Yes. For denying their claim, for not covering the Galt's claim, because that was the deal, is that the State Farm was representing them and that they should have then had to pay that claim when that judgment came down, and they refused to pay that judgment. Okay. And so then the Trost had to take them specifically to court to get that $472,000. As far as I could find, Mm -hmm. they never received any of that money. They never got like a settlement or anything? Mm-mm. Not that uh, I could find. It's possible that they got some kind of out-of-court settlement. I hope they did, too. I mean, that that's financial ruin. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So as of um, the most recent article on this case, which was written in like 2014, so mm-hmm. it's not real current, the house was still vacant. It had gone into foreclosure and was owned by a bank, and the bank was working to try and. So think about this. Oh, think about that spider situation. You got oh. six thousand spiders, and then it goes through multiple mating cycles because oh. that house is sitting Stop. completely empty. Oh my! So this um, 
in 2014, this bank that took over ownership of the house, they made an attempt to... Um, Light it on fire? They tented it to fumigate it. Yeah. Which the country club was none too pleased about because it sits right on the golf course. Yeah. And so they've got these giant like circus tents on this uh-huh. house on the <gasps> golf course. Yeah. So this exterminator who took it over, his name, uh, it was like a McCarthy, McCarthy extermination or something like that. Um, he said that the process would likely cause, uh, would likely cost about $30,000 to fumigate the home. But what they do is they create a hostile environment inside the home. So they tent it completely. Mm -hmm. They seal it off so nothing can get out. And then they put this like sulfuric acid in like a flash frozen form into the house, into the walls, all of that. Um, And the official quote from Tim McCarthy, the owner of this extermination company, said, there'll be nothing alive in there after this. Okay. No word on if it was effective, but the house did sell in 2015 as the last recorded sale of it for like $300,000. That's still a lot. A lot. For, yeah. Yeah, for Spider House. In the Midwest. Yeah. Oh. In conclusion, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the Tros deserve millions of dollars from, <laughs> <laughs> from State Farm. Absolutely. I feel terrible for them. Yes. Because they they their dream home was ruined for them. They had to flee spiders and then they had to file bankruptcy. They had to I mean, yeah. I don't see what another option for them was. They could not live there. No. No. Yeah. Um and so I'd love to know where they are now, how they recovered for that from that. I hope they're doing amazing because that is just like truly my worst nightmare. What if they reached out to us? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Please. Oh, if you listen, please reach out. Also. Yes. Dr. Sandage. Yes. Is my new hero. Right. I love him. We've established that. I'd like to meet him. I think he's amazing. I think that that he put all of that work into figuring, like, understanding the spiders and then figuring out how to kill them. Yeah. And he's got a really effective method now. He even created, so he, what he created was like a powder pesticide, but it's all natural. um, So it's not dangerous to people. Uh Uh-huh. But it kills the spiders and it does it quickly. And then he also created like a delivery method for it, like a sprinkler thing that he puts it down with brandy it's just the baby powder thing. it's not it's different than that i think he's amazing however not everyone shares my view so he spoke at like a conference and some guy is quoted in this article from the pitch that i read um and he was like yeah just because you put a bunch of letters after your name doesn't mean you can charge a bunch more i think this guy's wrong i think the old process works just fine what yeah <laughs> So is this another exterminator? Yeah, he spoke at an extermination conference and like talked about his proprietary method and everything. And this guy was like, "Nah, old method works just fine." Obviously, you know, I got a PhD too. Pretty huge dick. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly. (laughs) People get weirdly (laughs) defensive about academics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. 
So uh, that's my case. And it was horrifying. That was so good. Do you want to know something crazy? Yes. <laughs> okay. This is nuts. And I this is no bullshit. Okay. So I decided, I don't know, um, several days ago that this is the case I was going to do. And I was sitting on the couch pulling articles for it. And David and I were watching the Game Show Network. As you always do. I love the Game Show Network. Uh-huh. And he pulls up this thing on his phone and he shows it to me. And he's like, I wonder if you can find enough stuff on this case. This would be really interesting. And it was a little like weird facts. You know, like those little like graphics that are yeah, like yeah. weirdfacts.com about a couple that was run out of their house by a spider infestation. I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And he's like, what? I'm like, that's the fucking case I'm researching right now. That's so weird. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. It was nuts. He was like, what the fuck is the matter? Like, because I was like, you did not just fucking show me that. And he's like, what? <laughs> and then I like showed him the articles I was pulling up on my computer. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> You two are so cute. I know. It makes me want to puke. I'm sorry. Should I talk about how cute me and Norm are? Yeah, you guys are adorable. No, we're not. We've been snipping at it. Well, you guys are going through a lot right now. Should we let people in on the the state of this home? (laughs) Would you like to describe it, Brandy? There's debris everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine how this is for you because you don't do well in this environment. No, no. So you guys are in the middle of the move. Right. And then also you're in the middle of getting the old house ready for sale. And we're still recording at the old house. Because here's the situation for everybody. Old house has no toilet. Mm -hmm. For a few days there, no water. No water, no toilet. But internet. Yes. New house, toilets galore. Plenty of water. No no internet. internet. I mean, it's yeah. been a tough go. Yes. And I pee all yep. the well, time. Well, we just had to break to walk to Starbucks to yeah. pee. We both peed, for yeah. the record. <laughs> I'm not some freak. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's been it's been total chaos. Yeah. But the new house is amazing. And man, when we get more than just a mattress in there, oh. it's going to really sing, huh? Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you guys. Thanks. <sighs> okay, let me get cushions for my butt. Oh, Lord. Oh, gosh. Oh, geez, <sighs> I feel like Yertle the Turtle now. Yertle the Turtle? Didn't you ever read Yertle the Turtle? Yeah, of course I read Yertle the Turtle. Okay. What'd she do? Did she sit on a nest? How dare you? <laughs> I don't remember it. It's a he. Oh, I'm sorry. But he sat on a nest, right? No. What are you doing? Oh, was that Horton? Who sat, who sat on the egg? Not Yertle. So Yertle was the one. He wanted to be king of the pond, king of all of Salamisand. Yeah. So he like stood on a rock and he liked that, but he wanted more power. Oh, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Okay. It was about Hitler. Yeah. Don't know if you know. Yeah. Hitler's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody getting this yet? <laughs> Nazis I don't bad, know. genocide bad, Hitler bad. How many times do I have to repeat Alzheimer's myself? Alzheimer's sad. 
Also bad. Also bad. <laughs> Makes me mad. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know what case I'm covering? Okay. So, because I don't have access to our Patreon yet. Yeah, okay. Should we discuss that? Um, we have a Patreon. It's going great. It's going amazing. Thank you guys for all the support. But as Kristen I said, is being Yurtle the Turtle. I about am. It. I am. So, um, I wrote down the password to our Patreon account, and I took everything, every book, notebook, everything to the new house. Yes. As I said, internet is at the old house. That's right. Um, so I keep telling Brandy, I'll give her the password. Will I? I don't know. I just don't know. So I saw the two options, and I didn't know until I saw your intro. Mm-hmm. Which one won? And I didn't know based on the link on the Patreon what case it was. But now okay. I do. So for those of you who don't know, any anyone at any tier level on our Patreon can vote on an episode. So this week, I don't know if we'll do this every single week or whatever, but this week... From time to time, yeah. Yeah, I chose... I chose a theme based on an, uh, a recommendation from a listener. Mm-hmm. So Paige wrote into us on Facebook and sent us a link to this thing called the gay panic defense, mm-hmm. which even though I'm an expert, I had no idea was a thing. I didn't either. No. So she brought it up after yeah. you covered Glenn Kapitsky's yes. death. She was like, yeah, gay panic defense is a thing. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. And like people are trying to fight to get rid of it. So here's my like very quick recap of what a gay panic defense is. Mm-hmm. It's, Oh my god, I was just hit on by a gay person. Oh, I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. I must I kill, must kill them. them. And that's totally fine. Because I'm in a gay panic. Yeah. 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 Yep. So that sucks. It is ridiculous. Yes. It's it's horrible. That would be like me. Okay. Uh-huh. What just happened to us on the street. Yes. Yes. So we just walked to Starbucks. Yes. As we're walking back. This car pulls up next to us, and this guy has his window down. And he goes, hey, hey. Like, what if I was like, that guy just hit on us, and I'm in a panic, and we must murder him now. You know what? If Okay, I shouldn't you say shouldn't that. You shouldn't say that, Christian. I just really hate street harassers. It's, it's horrible. And, like, what the fuck did he think he was going to accomplish? I was going to get in the car with him? Well, Brandy, you did make out with him, so I think you taught him the wrong <laughs> lesson. Oh, my gosh, David, I'm so sorry you had to find out this way. <laughs> David, that was all it took. A guy said, hey, hey, to her. She's like, no one's ever said that to me before. (laughs) So anyway, I I made a post on Patreon, and I said, because I got obsessed with this defense, and I found two cases. One was the trials of the guys who killed Matthew Mm Shepard, which is a very famous case. The other one is the murder of Scott Amador. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought for sure Matthew Shepard was going to win because it's the more famous case. Yeah. Uh, not so fast. Yeah. By a vote of 34 to 29, Ooh. the second case won. All right. I, I'm also going to have to admit, we've said that we are like old grandmas using new technology. So I accidentally forgot to make the voting patrons only. <laughs> so if you got in there and Sneaky you did Dickens. Yeah. First one's on the house. That's right. <laughs> Not going to let it happen again, though. I probably we, will. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. You should see Kristen and I in the Discord, by the way. 
The Discord, for anyone else who is like us and is like, what's that? It's like an AOL chat room it's without amazing. the creeps. It's yes. so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. We're having a blast with it. That's the appellate court and Supreme Court. That's correct. Yeah. Patron levels. Get you in there. Mm-hmm. Talking to Very us. Very exclusive club. To anyone who has $5. <laughs> <laughs> Today I want to tell you about the most infamous episode of perhaps any daytime I was going to say talk daytime show. talk show. Yeah. In general. But yeah. definitely most infamous episode of the Ginny Jones yeah. show. Okay, we used to watch the shit out of the Ginny we Jones show. We love Ginny Jones. Yes. Okay, take it away, Brandy. Describe Ginny Jones' show for anyone who's never seen it. Oh my gosh. Or who is young and hip and cool. Uh, I mean, she just covered all kinds of topics. Usually, most often what I remember is like, my teenage daughter's out of control. My teenage daughter dresses too sexy. Yes! And then she'd come out and be like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's my hot body. <laughs> We loved it. Oh, we loved it. It was on at like three o'clock, right? Yeah. So we would get home from school yep. and we'd get ourselves snacks and then we'd get on the phone and watch the Jenny Jones show together. Yep. And it was fabulous. It was just the right thing for our young minds. Yep. So, you know, it was trashy TV. Mm-hmm. But we loved it. And Jenny Jones, I always kind of liked her. Yeah. I remember the first six actually the first seven digits of her phone number to call into the show. You do? Yeah, because, well, only it ends because. Well, Ginny, right? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, only because it was the exact same number as um, Lisa's desk phone at her job. And if you didn't dial a one, it didn't dial all of the numbers because it was long distance. Uh-huh. So it was 312-832. And like that was the area code and the first three digits. Yeah. But Lisa's desk number was 3128324. And so if you kept dialing, like you didn't, didn't dial the one for long distance, yeah. this takes you back when you had dial yeah. one, dial long distance. It would just ring Lisa's desk and people <gasps> would call her. Oh my God. They were calling the Jenny Jones show. I would love that. Yes. I would have been like, tell me everything. Yes. <laughs> What's the craziest call she ever got? I don't know. Oh, damn it. Damn it, Lisa. <laughs> That sounds like so much fun. Okay, so here's how this episode went. It was March 6th, 1985. I'm sorry, 1995. Uh They've just come back from a commercial break. Jenny Jones is standing amongst her lively audience. Everyone was always pumped up. By the way, you can watch this on YouTube. Uh She's looking straight into the camera, like she always did. And she goes, Now, which of these ways would you choose to reveal your secret crush on someone? A, would you write that person a letter? B, would you tell the person in private in case he rejects you? Or C, would you tell that person that you're gay and you hope he is on national television? Oh, gosh. And at this point, the audience is like, Woo! (laughs) Yes! They were going nuts. (laughs) So clapping, screaming, laughing. They are totally into it. Yeah. Then Jenny introduces the audience to Donna and Scott who, of course, are already in their chairs. Mm -hmm. So Donna and Scott are sitting next to each other on stage, and they're looking like kind of nervous but kind of excited. And Jenny explains that Donna and Scott are friends, and Donna has been helping Scott because he has a secret crush on her friend Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Jenny starts talking directly to Scott, and she's like, how bad is the crush? Mm -hmm. Tell me about the first time you met him. And Scott is kind of like, ugh. Well, he was under her car working on her brake light. 
referring to Donna. And Jenny says, what was your first impression? Okay, first of all, hmm. there's no way that's right. What? You don't access the brake light from under the car. Okay, nerd. You I, access it from inside the trunk. Well, I mean, maybe he didn't know. He just, <laughs> he's just telling a story I'm on the Jenny Joe show. I'm just saying that about story like, does not check out. It totally checks out. I'd be like, first time I saw him, he was under a car working on stuff. <laughs> you know? All right. Okay. And Jenny says, what was your first impression? And Scott kind of laughs and he goes, well, I only saw the lower half of him, so you can imagine. <laughs> and the audience is like, ooh, <laughs> spicy. I like that your actual reactions are very close to the Jenny Jones show audience reactions. <laughs> then Jenny goes, you've had fantasies about him? Scott, I've had a couple, yeah. Jenny, when he was under the car, you had a fantasy about him. Scott. Yeah, something to do with brake oil, line snapping. And again, the audience is like, woo! Which that just sounds dangerous. What the fuck is brake oil? I, Brandy, <laughs> the man's not a mechanic. <laughs> and neither am I. <laughs> brake fluid. This is your issue with this story? I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny. Tell us, uh, you had another one where you're in a hammock or something. Tell us about that fantasy. So Scott kind of laughs again. Mm-hmm. He's, he's looking a little embarrassed, but, you know, he's kind of, he seems like a ham, you know. Mm-hmm. And he goes, um, yeah, actually, I've got a pretty big hammock in my yard, and I thought about tying him up in my hammock. Um, Jenny. And Scott. And it entails, like, Whipped cream, champagne, stuff like that. Again, the audience, oh my God! You know, it's like the first time anyone's ever thought to like introduce whipped cream into a sexual scenario. They're just like, no! So, so, someone was taking notes. So it's break oil, you said? The show goes on, and Ginny confirms that John knows that Scott is gay. Mm-hmm. And she goes... Do you know that he is? And Scott goes, anything's possible. Things keep moving along, and Scott's talking about John's cute little hard body and how, you know, you just, he had some line about, you just want to put him in a curio cabinet and then, like, dust him off every now and then. Like, he had some funny little lines. (laughs) Then it was time for the big reveal. The Jenny Jones staff took the headphones off of Jonathan and sent him onto the set. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, oh, they're oh, in yeah. the isolation Isolated booth. soundproof booth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jonathan walks on. All he knows is that he has a secret admirer. Mm-hmm. And he sees Donna and Scott sitting on stage. And he smiles and hugs Donna, gives her like a little kiss on the cheek. And he kind of awkwardly shakes Scott's hand and... It's so it's so awkward to describe. So like Scott kind of pulled him in for this like half mm-hmm. hug, you know, one of those like genitals not touching. Hugs. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, pelvis out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jenny said, "Do you think Donna has a crush on you, Jonathan? Did I? Uh, no, we're good friends, Jenny. Well, guess what? It's Scott that has the crush on you." John turns to Scott and he's like, he's kind of laughing and kind of like, oh, because, you know, he's yeah. taken off guard. He goes, you lied to me. The audience goes wild. Uh-huh. 
And John smiles and claps. Then Jenny was like, hey, before we go on break, John, why don't you look at what Scott said about you on this monitor over here? And so they play back uh-huh. the clip about the whipped cream and champagne. And Jonathan kind of covers his face with his hands, takes his hands away. And he looks kind of uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And he goes, Ugh. Jenny. Scott was pretty open. He said he's been fantasizing about you since he saw you under the car for the first time. He had an under-the-car fantasy, and he had a hammock fantasy he's been telling us about. Did you have any idea that he liked you this much? John. Uh, no, no, I did not. That I did not. Jenny, can you tell us what your status is? Are you involved with anybody? Or John, um... No, but I am definitely a uh, heterosexual, I guess you could say. And then the audience cheers. What? <laughs> Just like an uncomfortable thing or No, like like oh great, another straight person. We're so rare. <laughs> it was super weird. That is weird. <laughs> then John tells the story of how he met Scott, and like it wasn't much of a story. He'd been working on Donna's car. He and Scott talked for a bit. And then later Donna told John that Scott thought he was a good-looking guy. And John was like, oh, that's flattering, but, you know, not into it. So Jenny goes, it's flattering, but you're not interested? There's no way? There's no way, right? And John goes, no. So that's, that's that segment. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. Then, three days after the taping, John went home to discover that Scott had left him a note. I was never able to find exactly what the note said, Mm -hmm. but every newspaper article I read said it was suggestive. Okay. So he gets this suggestive note. Then Jonathan went to the bank, took out some money, bought a shotgun. Then he drove to Scott's trailer in the suburbs of Detroit and shot him twice in the chest. Oh, my gosh. Afterward, Jonathan called 911 um, Scott's roommate also called 911, and Jonathan confessed the whole thing. Uh-huh. Pretty quickly, Jonathan was charged with first-degree murder. Um, so, you know, you'd think pretty open-and-shut case. Yeah. But obviously, no. Yeah. Because uh, he got this defense team, and they mm-hmm. came up with this strategy. The defense team came up with this defense. Jonathan had been humiliated on the Jenny Jones show. Before he went to that taping, he went out and spent hundreds of dollars on new clothes. He told his family he was going to meet the girl of his dreams. But when his imaginary dream girl... First of all, that's fucking dumb. Because you don't know who has a crush on you. Exactly. Okay, sorry, continue. No, I I totally agree. And I, I think that's... That's kind of my main issue with this whole thing. Like, yeah, you can hope Hope that that's who it's going to be, but you have no idea. Maybe it's Toothless Cheryl from Three Doors Down. Right. I mean, like, who do you think is calling you to go on the Jenny Jones show? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's not a hot Sports Illustrated model. (laughs) Oh, my God. Heidi Klum has a crush on me. (laughs) And she brought me on Jenny Jones to tell me? (laughs) That's fucking dumb. And, like... The other thing, okay, the clothes. Of course you bought new clothes. You're going on TV. Yeah. So, Ugh. yeah. Okay. 
But when his imaginary dream girl turned out to be a man, he was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Then Scott made more romantic advances with that note. Mm -hmm. And add in the fact that Jonathan has Graves' disease. So, you know. So you know what? Well, you know, that's just a recipe for murdering someone. Is it? And it not being your fault. Okay, Do you great. have thoughts on that, let me, let me write, jot that one down. Yeah, I have fucking Graves' disease. Never murdered anyone. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> someone invites you onto what a talk show. What fucking excuse is that? So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, Brandy's going to love yes, this. Yes, what the so we'll get into it a little bit more later, but they basically, and they obviously had other mental health stuff too, but like, yeah, Graves' disease played a fairly big role in this. They said that it like makes you, when I looked up the official symptoms, it did mention that you could become more irritable. So yeah, irritability and anxiety are big, right. are big um, symptoms. Also of buying shotguns. Buying shotguns, <laughs> murder. Mm. It's a terrible Those are the, thing. I mean... Don't worry, Brandy. It's not your fault. That's right. <laughs> when my thyroid levels get off, man, <laughs> I am a loose cannon. <laughs> so you add all that up and boom. Jonathan was pushed past his breaking point mm-hmm. through no fault of his own. No. Yes, Brandy. No. Did you not hear what I just said? I heard it. <laughs> he thought he was going to meet Cinderella <laughs> and then he met a man. Okay. I, I am so irritated with this whole argument. I don't even... I I understand none of it. No. Partially because, like... Okay, Scott was a good-looking guy. You've got a person saying they have a crush on you. You've chosen to go on national television because you know that someone, a man or a woman... Yeah. And they told him... A man or a woman. It could be a man or a woman... Now, that gets debated a little bit later, Uh but they say they told him a man or a woman. And, you know, Jenny Jones asked him if if he was interested, and he's like, no, I'm heterosexual. So, like, oh, you're making a face. What? I think that it means that he, it, maybe I shouldn't say that. You think he's secretly gay? Yeah. You know that's what. Or secretly questioning. Yeah. Yeah. Because why else would it make you so mad? Yeah, exactly. I, Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good theory. Yeah, but well, you think everybody's secretly gay. So. <laughs> you know what? Here's, here's, my, here's my honest to God bias. I think anyone who's homophobic. Yeah, is, is harboring some kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And like the super homophobe. So homophobic who, that you murdered someone because they found you attractive. attractive? Yeah, there's something going on there. Yeah. The people who run, like, little camps where you can pray the gay away. Yeah. Gay. Yeah. Hate to break it to you. Yes. Can't pray it away. Yeah. It's just you, buddy. Yeah. Anyway. So ridiculous. But prosecutors and gay rights activists were like, uh, no. Nope. No, this isn't about Graves' disease. No, it's or- so, I, it's, that is the most out ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's because he had Graves' disease. And very embarrassed. (sighs) (laughs) They were like, 
it's about homophobia. It's yes, just it's one hundred percent about homophobia. It's homophobia, and homophobia. Sorry, it's not an excuse for murder. Nope. Before the trial started, the defense wanted the judge to compel Jenny Jones to testify, mm-hmm. but the judge was like, mm, "I don't see how her, her testimony is relevant here." And really? Yeah, that was his. That was his ruling. What do you think? I think it would be relevant. Why? Um, well, because the incident started on her show that she hosts Mm -hmm. and because she, she asked the questions that led to the suggestive answers that Scott said about Jonathan. Yeah, I think it all depends on if you buy into this defense at all. Well, I don't buy into the defense yeah. at all, but I think I don't I don't I think it would make sense for her to testify. I think it's odd to exclude her. Okay. Let's see if the judge changes their mind, oh, shall we? <laughs> In their opening argument, the prosecution argued that Jonathan was a cold-blooded killer. When he was invited on to the Jenny Jones show, Jones show, he was told that his secret admirer could be a woman or could be a man. After they taped the show, Jonathan and Scott went out drinking together. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So it wouldn't appear that Jonathan was like so upset and just couldn't handle it, right? I saw some... I just made direct eye contact with the mailman. (laughs) Well, and your thumb was in your mouth. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just couldn't get enough. Oh, no! Poor David. First the man saying, hey, hey, and then the mailman walking by. Oh, my gosh. Please don't harass the random men who walk (laughs) past my home, Randy. I can't even have it's my Graves disease. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you irritable and horny. I have no control over it. So clearly, this show wasn't some traumatic experience. Jonathan killed Scott because he wanted to kill him. Mm. He wasn't driven to do this by forces beyond his control. Yeah. What? What? Was Donna around for the entire night when they were out drinking? I didn't get as much information on that as I wanted to. But I believe Donna was there. You think they had sex? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll come into play later. Yeah, that's my theory, that they had a hookup. Mm-hmm. And then Scott, I'm sorry, what's the other guy's Jonathan name? Jonathan is the murderer. Yes. Then Jonathan was like, fuck. Uh-huh. He's going to tell everybody. Uh-huh. I have to kill him. Uh, that's really fascinating that you put that together so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I told you, I told you in text, this case yeah. is a bit of a beast. Yes. It, that's gonna, like, you jumped way Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. That's just my own personal theory. <laughs> well, and who knows if it's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the defense argued that Jonathan was a fragile young man. He had a history of manic depression, which I don't think we call it manic depression anymore. Bipolar. Bipolar, okay. Alcoholism and Graves' disease, which, as we all know, can cause very violent behavior. 
how are you even able to be around me, Kristen? <laughs> well, as you can see, I'm in full armor. <laughs> and on top of all that... Just, I've never had any form of violence at all or uh, volatility because of my Graves' disease. Right. It's always been because of your other ailments. <laughs> <laughs> so, on top of all that... Yeah. The show had caused great embarrassment. It was the perfect storm. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly it. Yeah. So they said that he thought he was going on there to meet up with his former girlfriend. So I think... I think his dad had said at one point that he had been engaged to someone. It it kind of fallen apart. Mm -hmm. So he thought he was going to be reunited with her. Again, that's stupid. Because I'm sure they didn't say anything to allude to that. No, they just tell you, you've got a secret admirer. Yeah. Could be a man, could be a woman. Yeah. and you're Would like, you like to come on national TV? It's definitely my super hot ex-girlfriend who I'm not over. Yeah. That's dumb. You know, I I don't blame him for hoping that. Well, of course, of course not. you would hope. But I do blame him for, like, going and murdering someone of after. Of course. I just spat so hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just say so hard? It just it flew. <laughs> I want you to know how tough I am. <laughs> so interestingly, both sides told the jury, hey, just watch the tape of the Jenny Jones show and you'll see that I'm right. Mm-hmm. Prosecutor Roman... Polanski. Kalidiak. <laughs> <laughs> Kalitak. Yeah, that's so different. K-A-L-Y-T-I-A-K. Yeah, it's a doozy. Mm-hmm. I think the first way. Roman K. K said, Jonathan Schmitz does not stomp off the show. He starts clap- clapping. He pointed out that Jonathan was calm, mm-hmm. unruffled. But defense attorney Fred Gibson said that the tape would show that Jonathan was clearly embarrassed. He puts on a front, but the truth is in his eyes. So I just want to say... I was watching this clip the mm-hmm. other day in our home with no toilet and but internet. Mm-hmm. And Norman walked in and I'd already told him a little bit up about the case and he was like, "Oh my god, this is the guy." Yeah. And Norman was just like, "I can't believe that he killed him after this." Yeah. Because he does seem very calm. Now, I think yeah, I've seen the I clip. It's been looks, a long time. But. I think he looks uncomfortable. Yeah. But no more uncomfortable than you would if, like, wow, I thought it was someone, and it's not that person. Yeah. It's Toothless Cheryl. Right. From Poor Three Cheryl. Doors Down. Poor Cheryl. What do you got against her? I mean, they thought they, she thought they had a connection. They've, <laughs> you know, made eye contact several times when they've been out to get the mail. But he's just not into it. One of the first people called to the stand was the police officer who responded to the 911 call. Mm-hmm. He said that when he found Jonathan, Jonathan was sobbing, but didn't appear to be mentally ill. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know how, how you, you would know. appear yeah. to be mentally ill. <laughs> this is some 1995 shit. Yeah. Later, the jury. I'm sorry, I'm having like an eyelash. You've got one hanging here. low, I- sweet chariot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got it. Wow. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> I'm 
sorry, I'm a woman and I'm hitting on you, and you've got Graves' disease. What am I asking for it? <laughs> Later, the jury watched the tape of the Jenny Jones show. Afterward, Donna Riley testified. She said that Scott contacted the show when he saw them advertise for people with secret gay crushes. So maybe we should explain that too. Like, yeah, at yeah. the end of the show, or like as they went to commercial break, yes. it was like, "Do you have a secret gay crush?" Call blah blah blah. Yeah, call three, Lisa one, two, three two. Fill in the last four digits um, to come on the show. Yeah, and it'd be like a different topic every commercial break or at the end of the show. Yeah. Does yeah. your teenage daughter dress too sexy? Are you unsure which former flame is the father of your child? Oh, so many good shows. So many. Does your kid need to go to boot camp? Those were boot good. Boot camp episodes. Oh, those, those were, were so good. good. And they'd bring out the guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, tough boy, huh? huh? <laughs> Not so tough now, are you? Yeah. And then everything was fixed by the That's end of that right. show. That's exactly right. Donna said that when the Jenny Jones show reached out to Jonathan, he immediately asked her and Scott if they were the ones who set it up. So he suspected them yeah. immediately. They denied it because that's what the Jenny Jones show told them to uh-huh. do. Um, she talked about how when the show was done taping, they all went back to Michigan together and got drunk. So it does sound like the three of them were together. Yeah. Hmm. Donna testified for three days. At one point when she was being cross-examined, Donna said that she had thought about warning Jonathan about what was really going to happen on the show. The defense asked, Why did you want to break the show's rule? Why tell Jonathan? And she said, I thought maybe he would get angry at Scott for putting him in that situation. Hmm. Then Michelle Wright took the stand. So Michelle hung out with Jonathan the night before he killed Scott. This this is freaky as hell. Mm-hmm. So they worked together. They went out with a bunch of coworkers. They were drinking until 2 a.m. After that, Michelle and Jonathan went back to her parents' house to drink champagne, smoke some pot, and make out on her parents' couch like you do. Which I think the article said that they started with beer, then switched to cham- champagne, which is not the way you're supposed to do it. No, unless it's the champagne of beers. Then it's a smooth transition. That's right. <laughs> So, How many episodes in a row do you think we can mention the champagne of beers? That's that is such a you thing. Mm. You love to hide Easter eggs, like that yeah. GameCube thing. Did we yeah. ever explain? No, we never explained it, and okay. people were so confused. You about need to it. okay. You need to explain okay. it right now. So in the Brock Turner case, we were talking about how exclusive Stanford was, and yes. Kristen said it's got like a five percent acceptance rate. And so I said, um, yeah. If it was a GameCube controller, it'd be like the SpongeBob of GameCube controllers. Mm -hmm. And people heard that and were like, the the fuck are you talking about? So someone had tweeted us a picture of a SpongeBob GameCube controller. Like 20 20 minutes before before we recorded. Yes. And they said, if you can work this smoothly into conversation, I'll subscribe to Norm's channel. (laughs) And so if you think I'm going to back down from that challenge, (laughs) you lost your damn mind. (laughs) <laughs> Which shows how different we are because I was like, You're like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, Norm needs that one That's more subscriber. Right. Absolutely. I hope he has subscribed. I mean, if you I went delivered. to that trouble, yeah, yeah. I delivered. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in our Discord, a couple of people were like, uh, What was the deal with yes, the so Did I miss some inside <laughs> joke? No, no you didn't you did miss not. anything. <laughs> Just Brandy helping uh, out a Help friend. it out, Norm. Anything for Norm. 
So, so that night, she says they never got around to discussing the show. Um, she said he's, he seemed fine with how the show went, but she could tell that there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. They hung out all night and into the morning. In fact, Michelle was with him up to an hour and a half before he murdered Scott. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. When the prosecution rested, the defense brought in a doctor who treated Jonathan in 1994. The doctor said that Jonathan had depression, low self-esteem, that he had a drug and alcohol problem, and that his father had been abusive. Mm-hmm. Some of Jonathan's co-workers testified. Did he mentioned the Graves disease. I don't know that this one <laughs> did. <laughs> Maybe they didn't want to ask an actual doctor about right? that. Because the doctor would be like, well, you know, it does a lot of things, but anybody murder anybody. So Jonathan's co-workers testified. They thought that, that he thought he was going to be on the show to meet a woman. And that when he came back from the show, he was a totally different person. Mm-hmm. His dad said the same thing. He said, I thought Jonathan was going to kill himself. His dad went into their family history with mental illness Around this point, the defense made another attempt to get Jenny Jones to join the party. Mm. They were like, hey, this is kind of the prosecution's fault. They asked Donna a bunch of questions about the show, including some questions about what Jenny did on the day of taping. Mm -hmm. They brought her into this in a way, and we need to be able to get her testimony on the record, which I, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. This time the defense won. Jenny Jones was brought in to testify, and boy, was she uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Which you would be. Yeah. Apparently, Jonathan told the producers that if his secret admirer was a man, he wouldn't want to go on the show. The defense asked Jenny if she was aware of that. She said no. They asked if she'd been deceptive. They pointed out that the name of the episode was Same Sex Secret Crushes. But Jonathan was never told the name of the episode. Mm -hmm. Jenny said she hadn't been deceptive. It's just that the premise of the show was a surprise. Mm -hmm. Which I I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's some level of deception in surprising. Yeah, there is. But I think it. Whether it was deceptive or not comes down to whether or not they told him for sure it, your crush could be a man or a woman. I think that's pretty certain. Okay. I, so then I don't think it's deceptive. I think the the issue came down more like, so they told him it could be a man, could be a woman. Then he at some point said, if it's I don't a man, wanna, I don't want to go on it. And then, again, it's it all, it all depends on which side you want to yeah, listen to, but I'll just present all of it. And it seems that the producer implied heavily that it was a woman. Okay. So that's deceptive. It is deceptive. The jury of seven men and five women went into deliberation. What do you think they found? I think they found him guilty. They found him guilty of second degree murder. Interesting. Which I mean I think is way off. Yeah, um, I do too. I think he you took went out to the money bank and you yeah. bought the shotgun, you went to his yeah. house. I mean yeah. you're that's thinking that through. Um, But what's interesting, I guess it was just a different time, because at the time, a lot of people, including gay rights activists, were like, oh, what a great verdict. You know, it just says, I think it says something about the time that everyone was like, he's going to get away with this. Yeah. So he was sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison. 
That's longer than I would have thought for second degree. Yeah. 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 So people really thought this was a pretty good verdict. This yeah. was pretty fair. Um, but you know who didn't think that? Uh, Jonathan. Yes. Yep. Jonathan's attorney. Appe- no. What? <laughs> you know what I was about to say? Repealed. Repealed, yes. Appealed the verdict. And they won. Holy shit. The appellate court found that the trial judge made errors during jury selection. So Jonathan got a new trial. Wow. Don't ask me what the errors were. I wasn't going to. Good. You're a good friend. Well, I know that shit. It's so hard to find when you're doing the research. It's like, what errors? What were the errors? Well, yeah. Like, like, yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, I don't blame the the journalist because yeah, you you've can't, only you got don't so get much in all space. That, yeah, you can't get in all the details, but it's like, what the fuck was the error? And by the time you're reading about it, they're like starting the article on the new trial. So that's yeah. the stuff. But I'm genuinely curious, like, so what errors yeah. did you make? Meanwhile, Scott's family was still reeling from his loss, and they were angry because they didn't think that Jonathan was solely to blame for Scott's death. They thought Jenny jo- the Jenny Jones show yeah. was also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they hired a defense attorney. If they were deceptive, they played a role, maybe. At the end of the day, they are not responsible for someone going and murdering no, someone. I, I just think it all comes down to if you do something... What's the reasonable consequence yeah. you can expect? I think it's reasonable to expect that someone might be kind of embarrassed. Yeah, that he'll be embarrassed by it, that he might not be friends with, with him anymore. It's not reasonable to expect that he's going to go buy a shotgun and murder him. No. Not at all. No. That's not a, a liability you have to take into consideration. Right. So they hired a defense attorney who you might recall... From the Dr. Kevorkian case. Ooh. It's Jeffrey Figer. Oh, yes. Yeah, the longtime lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, so fun. So Jeffrey was very enthusiastic. We love when people show up in multiple cases. We <laughs> we love a cameo appearance or no, a recurring character. A recurring character. <laughs> so on behalf of Scott's family, he sued the Jenny Jones show for $71.5 million How'd they get to that number? What do we want? Multiply it by 5,000? I don't know. That's crazy. That's nuts. Why (laughs) (laughs) 0.5? To make it sound like you really had a formula. I guess, right? That would be my guess. Wow. At trial, he argued that the show's producers had been negligent Mm -hmm. by humiliating a mentally troubled man. Oh, I think at the very least you can say they were somewhat deceptive, but that doesn't make them responsible. I think in the spirit of that episode, they were deceptive. Deception was required for that yeah. episode. Um, huh. But yeah, but I, yeah, somebody becomes the butt of that, but you yeah. don't, that doesn't make them liable when someone murders someone. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see how they can... I argue that. I agree. So Jeffrey said that the Jenny Jones show did everything but pull the trigger in Scott's death. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks, Jeffrey. Tone it down. Everything but pull the trigger. Hold on. Wait a minute. That's crazy. Well, and my other thinking is like, this was just one segment in the show. Yeah. So did all those other guys go out and and murder someone? Yeah. Probably not because they didn't have Graves' disease. But still. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we better look into that yeah so warner brothers was the jenny jones parent company mm-hmm. 
And their lawyers were like, oh, okay, slow your roll. This episode of The Jenny Jones Show wasn't that out of the ordinary. I mean, it's no difference than like a surprise birthday party. Disagree, but I whatever. Disagree yeah. as well, but... It's no difference, uh, different than a journalist who comes up to someone and asks them a bunch of unexpected questions. Okay, I'm more on board with that a okay. little bit. I don't know. I don't think it's that similar, but... No, it's, it's really not. But again... He knew the basic premise of the show. Yeah. He went on the show voluntarily. Watching the episode, you would never, like, have any mistaken conclusion about what he says is his sexual preference. He was super into it. Nobody's walking away with it with that. Yeah. Yeah, that takeaway. Not that even if it did go that way, he would have the right to kill anybody. No! Oh, I'm just not, saying, like, that was not the point I was making. No, no, no I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, from watching that clip yeah. back, I was like, this is not humiliating. Yeah. Have you ever been hit on by a gay person? Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know what's honestly scary? Getting hit on by, like, a creepy, straight, entitled man who doesn't take no for an answer. That's like, yes, that's, that's way creepier. Yeah. <laughs> My personal experience, that's worse. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Yeah, no. Not to say there aren't gay creeps out there. We know you're absolutely there. Absolutely there are. Yeah. Let's name some right Let's now. Not. <laughs> so what they said was, think of the chilling effect this could have on the media if we're not allowed to operate under some element of surprise. Warner Brothers attorney Zazie Pope was like, what do you want from us? Do you want us to do a psychological profile on everyone who comes onto every program? And on top of that, we're not allowed to talk about anything that could involve an element of surprise? Hmm. I'm with him on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good point. Warner Brothers attorneys rehashed some of the stuff that came up at Jonathan's criminal trial. He knew that his secret admirer could be a man. Mm-hmm. In their view, he wasn't upset when he learned his secret admirer was a man. And then they dropped a bombshell, which won't seem like much of a bombshell because Brandy predicted it like 20 minutes (laughs) ago. (laughs) After that taping, Scott and Jonathan had sex. Yes. That's why Jonathan killed Scott, to keep him quiet about what they'd done. I believe that's totally possible. I bet they can't prove that. No. <laughs> well, and I had a big allegation to be putting out there when you can't back it up. Yeah. And I again, I'm sure this information was out there. I just couldn't find. I couldn't find anything solid on this. Yeah. The one thing I did find was an article um, where a woman named Carla Self took the stand and she talked about seeing Jonathan and Scott at a bar together but she couldn't name anyone who could back up her story. And the guy she claimed was Scott didn't have a mustache that night. But given the timing of all this, he should have had a mustache. Hmm. You know how sometimes we get mad because, like, an attorney will bring up something in opening arguments. And then never come back to it. Or, like, they'll say some big thing and then, like, their evidence for it is, like, totally weak sauce. Yeah. I mean, if this is their evidence that these two had sex... I'm not impressed. Yeah. Consider me Shania Twain. <laughs> that don't impress you much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, 
Maybe maybe there was some, yeah. but I feel like I would have found that. Mm-hmm. Newspapers.com has never steered me wrong That's before. right. Jonathan was called to the stand, but he pled the fifth. Would you like to know what I wrote in my notes? Yeah. But he invoked the pled the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> he either invoked his Fifth Amendment rights. Uh-huh. Which was my first thought. Pled the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen came back later and was like, <laughs> nope. pled the fifth. <laughs> Jenny Jones also testified, and she was like, no, my show does not ambush guests to boost ratings. I think probably Jeffrey Figer's, yeah, of course. But they do. Yeah, of course they do. (laughs) But again, my, I guess my feeling is, if you're going on the Jenny Jones show. Yeah, no, I bet they completely do. Still not an excuse to murder someone. No, no. No. Jeffrey Figer's argument, in case it wasn't very, very clear, was he was just like, this is trash TV, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Ultimately, the jury sided with Scott's family. They awarded the family $5 million for Scott's suffering, $10 million for the loss of his companionship, and $10 million for the loss of his future earnings. Wow. I know. Um... So you look stunned right now. You want to talk about why you look so stunned? Uh, because I, I I don't think that they can be held liable. Yeah, I was shocked by that, too. I am shocked by that. So the Ginny Jones show was also completely shocked. This was one of those interesting verdicts. I find this so fascinating. Where First Amendment scholars were horrified. And freaked out about the chilling effect this, that this could have. Because, like, you kind of make a ruling on one aspect of media and it can apply to basically everybody in the pool. Yeah. But everyday people were like, we're just sick of this trashy TV and we want there to be repercussions. This reminded me of the Hulk Hogan sex yeah. tape thing yep. where, like, people just seem to hate Gawker so yeah. much yeah, yeah. that... They made an example of it. Yeah. Yep. Warner Brothers and the Jenny Jones show appealed. And in a two to one decision, the appellate court sided with the Jenny Jones show. Wow. Yeah. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. They said that even though that episode may have been the epitome of bad taste, the Jenny Jones show and its parent company had no legal obligation to protect Scott from Jonathan. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, it may have been trashy. Well, yeah, it, 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 it is, is trashy. Yeah. But nothing they did led to what Jonathan no. did. No. No. Scott's family tried to take the case to the Michigan Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court was like, no, we're busy. Yeah. Goodbye. So that happened. But now we're back to Jonathan's new criminal trial. Yeah. The timeline on this is just messed up. Right. Um, I kept all that together just for simplicity's sake. Of course. Sake. I like to keep it simple. Stupid. <laughs> Don't call me names. <laughs> <laughs> Defense attorney Jerome Sabata told the jury, hey, you don't have to set my client free. All I want is for you to convict him of what he did. And what he did was manslaughter. How's that? Well, you see, Brandy, he's not a murderer. He's a first-degree murderer. It was premeditated. 
you ready for this quote? Yeah. Facts and circumstances are going to show that this killing was the result of provocation. Provocation by Scott Amager. No. It's the murder victim's fault. That's... For saying Jonathan was hot. How does someone get up there and say that? That's what I want to know. And, like, Scott's family... That's who some cares fucking about bullshit. How, who cares about them, right? Yeah. It's... Sorry, it's your son's fault. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's... We've had a couple cases like this recently. Mm-hmm. Well, like... The Logan Storm one that pissed me off so much where, you know, I get everyone needs a defense. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have a great defense attorney. Yeah. But it shouldn't include shit like this. Yeah. I mean, are they coming right here? I know. If you guys can't tell, the police are coming after us. We're we're being raided. (laughs) (laughs) Brandy called the cops. She said, I'm being held in a trash hole (laughs) with no toilet and no refrigerator. (laughs) We do have internet, though. That's right. <laughs> so this trial was somewhat similar to the first one. So we're just going to jump ahead yeah. to the verdict. The jury found him guilty of second degree murder. Really? Yeah. I just don't understand second degree murder. I would like to hope that if this trial took place it today. Would, they would get first degree yeah. murder. 100%. Actually, no. They would get first degree murder and it'd be tried as a hate crime. Yeah. Although, um, the gay panic defense is still legal in most states. Disgusting. Yeah. I'll get into that a little more later. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so upsetting. Mm -hmm. Once again, he was sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison. So the exact same decision from the jury, the exact same sentence that he got the first time. Jonathan was released from prison in 2017. Holy shit. I know. He was 47 years old. Wow. So I want to go back to a little bit about what Paige sent us. Paige sent us this link to the LGBTbar.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's this movement to ban these defenses because of obvious reasons. Yeah. They're terrible. And some states like California, Illinois, Rhode Island, and Nevada have banned them, but most haven't. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that, and I think it was on this link, that there is some federal legislation that's in the works. Wow. So I Hopefully. hope that pulls through. No but kidding. But yeah, that's nuts. That's the story. Huh. I, so that's one of those cases that I knew like some stuff about, but yeah. not very much. And same here. Like I remember the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what the defense was. Whew. It's unreal to me that someone can try to argue that somebody had it coming, had violence or death coming at them. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Because they wanted to bang somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Ugh. That was really good. That was a heavy one, though. It was heavy. Um, Also because I... So I read a bunch of articles for that, obviously. But then the last one I read was Scott's dad taking the stand and talking about how much he misses his son. It was it was so sad. And like the article talked about how at times he, you know, he made the jury laugh at times. You know, there were tears because like 
you know, he just seemed like a normal guy. So he was a truck driver. They had five kids. Yeah. And the attorney asked him, why'd you have five kids? And he had some kind of funny response. Like, look, I, I was on the road a lot. When you get home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> how scott was you know really funny really into magic and yeah. you know just not the card game but gather you know <laughs> but anyway it's just it's really sad to think about like what yeah. what his life could have been absolutely and he probably just went on the jenny jones show for like a fun crazy wacky experience yes <sighs> thank you to who sent in that page page Woo. That was good. And thanks to the people who voted on Patreon. Yes. Thank you, guys. Yeah. They surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. I'm shocked. Now, do you think, because like I said, I had never heard of the gay panic defense uh-huh. before. Do you think that was what was at play in the Glenn Kapitsky murder? Uh, Yeah. 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 Okay. See, I, w- I am still so thrown by that whole case, because to me it's like, although... I've changed my mind again. You have? Yeah, I think he for sure did it just for the shits and giggles so do of I. committing a murder. I think I've decided that that's how I feel, too. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I keep going back and forth I know, on it. I know, It's a cr- That's what's so crazy about that case to me, is because you could, I think you could see either... Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. Is it because you saw his ramen noodle hair? Yeah, I was like, something's messed up with that guy. <laughs> Do you want to explain his ramen noodle? Yeah. So he, so the case happened in what, 2003? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he has legit Justin Timberlake ramen noodle hair in when he's at trial. Like curly hair uh that has been like, like they tried to do frosted tips. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, they did frosted tips. Well, it's like they did too much frosted tips and it just looks like straight up ramen noodles on his head. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't even work for Justin Timberlake, so... Yeah, if it can't work for Justin Timberlake... Woof. Woof. Woof, indeed. You guys, this may become kind of a new part of the show. I don't know if we'll save this for Patreon-exclusive episodes or what. Yeah, well, But we asked members of the Supreme Court if they wanted to ask us a few questions that we would answer at the end of the show, and... You guys sent in a bunch of questions. Yeah. Who knows what will make the final cut. Yeah. But we asked Norman to come share a microphone with me and ask us the questions. No hanky-panky over there, guys. I'm sitting right here. No promises. Look at this man. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there. Hey. Hi, listeners. Alan asks, if you had to choose one notorious criminal to do an interview with, who would it be and why? Okay. Mm. My answer... Charles Manson. Yeah, Charles Manson. 100% Charles Manson. Because I think he's fascinating, but I would be terrified the whole time that I would swear my allegiance to him at the end. (laughs) (laughs) What would you ask him? I would ask him what uh, he thought made him so powerful. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I would want to interview a notorious criminal. You wouldn't? Honestly. Even like a con man or something? Yeah, not really. Wow. I know that sounds that sounds kind of like holier than thou and like, stuff. Like Bernie Madoff? You wouldn't want to like No, I I have, you do it, Bernie? I have uh, such I have such a problem with people who okay. are full of shit. If you I could travel don't... back in time and talk to Cassie Chadwick, you're telling me you wouldn't oh, interview her. Oh, I oh my god. Yes. Okay. I would one hundred percent interview Cassie Chadwick. 
And by the end of it, she would convince me to empty out my bank account. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Thank you. This is why we're good together. Um, got two questions from Andrew. Hmm. Breaking the rules. Hmm. Andrew wants to know, what is your most wholesome memory from your long-term friendship? Hmm. We'll start with that. Okay, I've, I would say either trick-or-treating together. Oh, God, that was so much fun. So much fun. We always had a blast. And then we'd go back and we'd watch like our version of a scary movie. Yeah. And then eat a shit ton of candy. Do you want to tell them our version of a scary movie? Death Becomes Her. Yeah, starring Meryl <laughs> Streep and Goldie Hawn. And Bruce Willis. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Yeah, um, loved it. We had so many wholesome memories. Uh, going camping I was gonna, That was my other one when I said I had two, going camping and together. And like riding our bikes and mm-hmm. screaming, going down hills. Yeah, specifically, it was Knob Noster, right? That had the yeah. big hill. So we, yeah. so Knob Noster had this bike trail that we would ride our bikes on. But you could go kind of off the trail and go down this big hill that had like this bump in it and you would get like a little bit of air going off of it. We thought it was the best. We did. Um, also going to the mall every Friday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Loading up. We were really pretty wholesome. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this could go on for a Basically long time. everything. Okay. Yes. Okay. We'll cut it off there. <laughs> Uh, Andrew's follow-up question is, how much do I need to pledge each month in order to get a guest appearance on an episode? Ooh. Only like a million dollars a month. That's right. Yeah. That seems fair. Pledge a mil. We'll even fly you out here. (laughs) Uh, Kate asks, how did Kristen and Norman meet? Ooh, this is a good story. Is it? Yeah, I think it's good because I don't think you hear this that often. Okay. Well... I went to a ball and I had to leave at a certain time. And so I like ran off. I left my glass. <laughs> I left my size nine, nine West pump on the road. No, um, we met at a bar. Yeah. Like all respectable couples do. No, I think that's interesting. I don't think that couples like really meet like that that often. Well, especially not nowadays with your. Well, who's it it's was, and what's it? Kind of through mutual friends. Who's it's and what's it's galore? Who's it's and what's it's galore? You want thingamabobs? <laughs> I got twenty. <laughs> <laughs> no, Norm, why don't you tell the story? Why? You tell it. It's well, your podcast. Norm, oh, come on, <laughs> come on. We met through mutual friends at a bar. Wow! Wow! And I've regretted it ever since. That's what that, <laughs> that totally is. Says. Now I went to the bar with Norman my buddy. Norm was twelve. <laughs> I snuck into the bar when I was 15. <laughs> Kristen was 30 at that point. No. <laughs> no, like legit though, you look 12 in like that. Yeah. yeah. In the first, in the first photo. photo yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> um, I went to the bar with my buddy and Kristen was already at the bar with some work friends and I knew some of your work friends. Yeah. But I didn't and, know you. And I knew one of your friends. And so somebody suggested we combine tables, and I sat next to Kristen, and we started talking, and Mm. the rest, as they say, is history. Do you remember what you said to me? Um, hi. You don't remember what you said? I remember you said you worked for the newspaper, Uh and I said, I asked, what did I... 
Did no. I say you, did, do you deliver newspapers? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember if you said, maybe you did say that. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> I, think, I think I asked it. Oh, so you, hey, do you deliver them? Or? <laughs> I, I clearly knew she was a reporter, but I was just joking around. Because she had one of those hats on that had the press card in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I said, hey, see? <laughs> no. I'm doing a story on young boys, see? <laughs> Sneaking in the <laughs> No, I for some reason thought you made some South Park reference. Also, um, you made fun of this guy who worked at the newspaper who I also didn't like, and I that made me really like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So there you have it. You can mm. find love at a bar. Find <laughs> love in a hopeless place. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Um, hmm. Kate wants to know, will you two ever do a live show? If you ask Kristen, she would say no because she would piss her pants. (laughs) Yeah, so it's one of those things. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, if we ever got big enough that that could be a thing. I mean, right now it couldn't be a thing. No. Our moms would be there for sure. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And no one else. (laughs) But no, if that ever did become a thing, it'd be one of those things where I'd be like, oh, it'd be so great if we got that big. And then if it were to happen, I I would die. You would be able to do it, though, because we'd be there together. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And I don't have any problem speaking in front of people. No. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I think it'd be awesome if we got to that point. Here's what I guarantee. If we ever do get to that point. You will be the first one to go on that case. I don't care what number we're on. There's no way I'm talking first. No way. I'll be like. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. Um, okay. Haley has a few questions for you. Oh, gosh. So we'll start with this first one. Brandy, Kristen, how are you all doing? Life has been pretty wild lately, and I'm curious how you're adapting. Uh, do you want to take that first, Kristen, or do you want me to? Not well, Haley. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what will make the final cut here, but Norman and I are having a rough time, what with the no toilet situation (laughs) in one house and the no internet in the other. (laughs) Also no furniture in the other. Yeah. Take your poison. Toilet or internet. (laughs) Which do you prefer? (laughs) No, I, I think things are definitely crazy. They're great overall. I mean, I, I'm i still blown away that we are getting to do this every week. This is so cool. Yeah. And having people support us is amazing. Yeah. So overall, really, really good. Right now, I'm reminded constantly of how often I have to pee. <laughs> what about you? Um. Yeah, I'm doing so good. Like, my life has changed so much in the last, how many months? Uh, Four months? What's amazing to me, I was thinking about this today, your life has changed more in the past four months than probably any other period in your life, Absolutely, yeah. And I've probably, I mean, no, probably, I've never been happier. Like, I'm doing so great. And, like, um... This podcast is really a big part of that, like that we get to do this, like, and that we're 
the way people are supporting us, it just blows my mind. Um, yeah, I'm doing so good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thanks. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, second question. What is the most frustrating slash fascinating unsolved case that you know of? Oh, I know. Do you know? Are we going to say the same thing? No. No. Because mine, you think, is stupid. Oh. Isabella Stewart Gardner. Oh, you're right. I don't care about that. Oh, you don't want to know where those paintings are? No. Oh, I I want to know. John Bonet. Oh, John Bonet. That's not a mystery. Well, you're right. It's mm -hmm. not. Her brother killed her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I said it. (laughs) I'm going to go with Jack the Ripper. Ooh. Yeah, that's good. Okay, third question. Who is better at driving? I already know the answer to this, but go. Anyway. Everyone knows the answer to this. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen admits that she's not a great driver. Oh. And she will always let somebody else drive. She does not, like, fight to be the one to drive. I hate driving. Yeah, It's one of the reasons I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I avoid it at all times. All right. Fine. Norm's better than both of us, though. Norm's oh, very thank good. you. Uh, final question from Haley if you had to pick a different job what would it be so Brandy you are currently a stylist yes and Kristen you are a novelist novelist right slash writer researcher on gaming historian slash co-host of LGTC yeah so this is a tough question for me because what the hell do I do See, I I wouldn't call myself an anonymous. I would call yourself. I would call you a writer in yeah, all of would, those things you write. Yes, yes okay. you do so much writing for the podcast. You do n- not just your episodes. Yeah. You write all of our blurbs. You do all of, most of our social media. You do yeah. all of that. You do a lot of writing. That's true. Okay, so so and writer. you wrote a whole fucking novel. I did, and I'm trying like hell to get that thing published. <laughs> so send good vibes, people. So, which do you have an answer? We just oh, determined what you do geez. now. <laughs> Okay, that's really tough because, and okay, the three of us. I know what she'd be. You do? Yeah. Do you want to say it? What do you think? I think Kristen would be a real estate agent. Oh. Mm. No, I'm not good enough with people. You're great with people. You just don't like it. You're very good with people. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Yeah. I think I do love real estate. Yeah, we always look at, we all, the three of yeah. us look at real estate together all the time. Yeah. What about you, Brandy? Uh, interior decorator. Yeah. Do you want to decorate or not? <laughs> yeah, really. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Well, it seems like you don't have much passion for this new field. Wow. Hmm. Those are good questions. That's, those were some tough questions. Those were. Well, except for the driving one. I mean, Yeah, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one time when I was in driver's ed, um, <laughs> I was at the, I was at, well, you remember the Walgreens you used to work yes. at. Yes. Um, he had me park in that Walgreens. So I parked and then I was supposed to obviously reverse out of the parking spot and take off down the road. Well, I didn't put it in reverse. I put it in drive and we drove up over <laughs> onto the sidewalk and I just like... <laughs> I freaked out. Oh it scared because I was so embarrassed when it happened. <laughs> so I, I freaked out because like was Brandy we working that day. No, <laughs> like we went up. You know they had those like cement blocks yes. and then the sidewalk. So it was like clunk clunk clunk. 
and <laughs> driver's ed is not the kind of thing that you did through school. It was no, like this private you had to do a private, yeah. And so, you know, it was this old man. <laughs> And he was like trying to calm me down. He's like, "It's okay. It's okay. No one, no one was hurt. You know, you know, we're you're okay." Did you cry? I didn't cry, but I mean, I <laughs> was, was freaked really out. freaked yeah. out. And um, he goes, "You know, you know something. Nobody's perfect." And I kind of nodded, and he goes, "Well, there was one person who was perfect, but they crucified him." Holy <laughs> Uh, I don't know that I've ever had it come up like that before. It was so weird. It was so, weird. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep that in mind, guys. Nobody's perfect. When I worked at that Walgreens, mm-hmm. where's, well, I don't know. I've had a lot of weird interactions with people. Yeah. One of the weirdest interactions I've ever had with a person took place at that Walgreens. What happened? So, you know, I was cashier in the beginning. Right. Um, and then I went on to work in the photo lab. I was working the front register, which I didn't work the front register that often. I usually worked in the cosmetics department. And this woman came through the line and she said, oh, my gosh, your skin looks like doll, doll, doll skin, doll skin. Like, a doll, like a doll's face. I can't remember exactly what uh-huh. she said. And then she reached out. Oh, and she caressed my cheek. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes! I was like sixteen. I had no idea what to do. Uh, that's a that's a that's a serial killer. Yes. That's a big yikes. Yeah. Do you have like a manager button? Right. Slam down on that ace. Well, you didn't know was she had a knife in her pocket, right? ready She's to cut your cut face, my face right off. That is yeah. weird. <laughs> okay. Well, those were great questions. Those were great questions. That was so fun. Yes. All right. Thank you, Norm. Soup's fun. Are you ready to do our first ever inductions into the Supreme Court? Brandy, I think I am. Mm. Y'all, this is going to be a very solemn affair. That's right. We take this very seriously. It's a 100% real Supreme Court induction. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we have selected 10 people. Which then Casey pointed out to us that we should have done nine, which she's of course right. <laughs> we felt really stupid. We did. Because there are nine justices on the actual Supreme, Supreme Court. I know. Why didn't we fucking think of that? Well, you know. We can't think of everything. <laughs> <laughs> or even much of anything. No, not usually. If you're wondering how... You could get inducted into the Supreme Court. One way to do it is to go to law school, then become a judge. Well, really, yeah, become a lawyer and then get elected as a judge and then become friends with the president. Drink a lot of beer. Get through that. (laughs) I like beer. (laughs) Or, or, hear me out, you could do all that or you could pay $7 to become a patron. Yes, at the Supreme Court level. Please, Everyone, hold your applause until the end. (laughs) We will be reading their names now. And their favorite ice cream flavor, Kate Olsen. Mint chocolate chip. 
Haley. Chocolate chip. Isabella. Mint cookie crumble. Nino. Rocky road. With a lactate sidecar. Alan Y. Homestyle vanilla. Chris Flieger. Cheesecake. Haley Flieger. Vanilla with caramel. Casey Frame. My dad's homemade vanilla. Alyssa Berenger. Chocolate peanut butter. Bianca Barsenas. Mocha almond fudge. Exclamation point. Welcome to, to the, the Supreme Court. All right. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> Thank you, everybody who has supported us so far on Patreon. If you want to check that out, head on over to Patreon slash LGTC podcast or patreon.com slash LGTP. <laughs> head on over to patreon.com slash LGTC podcast. While you're at it, find us on all of our other social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Reddit. We're on YouTube. Is that all of them? That's it. Uh, and then head on over to iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We're still working on our 300 goal. We're um, about halfway there from our last goal. So, Sweet. yeah. And then uh, be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from newspapers.com, Wikipedia, and the LGBT bar. And I got my info from the St. Louis Dispatch, the Daily Caller, the Pitch, and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.